following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. I feel like I haven't seen you guys in a month, and, uh, but really I only missed one Sunday, but one Sunday spent in Florida while you are all in Rochester probably seemed like a really long time to you too. Um, I was, uh, the burdens of ministry um, called me to Florida last week, <laughs> um, just as Rochester was finishing up its last throes of nastiness. I, I hope. Um, uh, but it was, I was there not on, on vacation per se, although my family and I did go to one park while we were there. Um, it was for a church conference. It was a national conference for church planters, which is just a, a churchy term for people who start new churches. And uh, we're kind of a new church. We're eight years old. And um, so I still like to try to stay connected to that world. And our denomination is very active in that world. And so we were there. Um, together for this conference, um, and the conference itself was, was okay. I'm, my, my personality and, and level of cynicism don't really allow me to function super high, highly at uh, national church leader conferences. Just a few too many soul patches uh, for me, <laughs> but um, sorry. <laughs> um, there's nothing wrong with soul patches. It's just the per capita uh, number of them. Uh, see, might, you can tell I'm a little cynical about some, some things. I probably should just get over it and, and grow up. But um, what I want to tell you about is not the conference itself, but the, what happened before the conference. The, the, our denomination put on this pre-conference workshop for our church planters, the ones in our denomination, and, and uh, this is kind of east of the Rockies, who are actually doing this work right now, starting new churches in their various levels of, uh, or various... Uh, amounts of time spent in this process, and it was amazing to see what is happening in our family of churches right now. Um, I can't wait to tell you more about about church planting in our denomination and what that is looking like right now, and the amazing opportunities that that there are to partner with things like that. Um, but today, what I want to tell you about is this thing that I noticed, which really caught my attention. There were eight sessions that were taught by uh, church planting pastors in our denomination. Eight sessions, and uh, do you know how many of them were led by white men, people who look a little bit like me? Well, only three. Um, Over half of the sessions taught by our denomination's church planting pastors were taught by people who, who we would say come from uh, some sort of minority population in the U.S. And this made me realize something that was kind of sobering, which is that it was the first time I'd ever been to any kind of church gathering where I was being taught primarily by people who do not look like and talk like me. And then I was sitting in the car with the other kind of hipster white pastor after this, this experience, and we started talking about how we, uh, we are never marginalized by virtue of our birth, essentially. We are never, you know, the people who come to the table and don't see our face staring back at us, the tables that matter. 
Now, I'm, I am not saying that I felt marginalized in this setting. That would be, that'd be stupid and arrogant to say, and it wasn't true even if, it, even if I did feel that way. I probably shouldn't say that, but, um, but I didn't feel that way, so I don't have to, to worry about it. But the, the point is that I wasn't, it wasn't like I suddenly got it, like, oh, I know exactly how everybody feels. The point is that it got me thinking about how it must feel to sit in a room Maybe, maybe this room, and never see your culture or your gender or your ethnic heritage represented by people who stand up and talk. It was an awesome experience to, to be taught by people who are doing amazing work, but who are in a totally, come from a totally different um, life experience from my own. Now, for some of you in the room, you, you probably could resonate with, with um, others, with the realities that tend to happen at these kind of conferences, where you're not the person who's, who looks like the people who are in charge. But for most of you in this room, your experience has been very similar to mine. And I want you to think about that for a minute. See, this is, it's not the same thing as getting picked last for kickball, okay, at recess which was a painful experience for some of us. Um, but the truth is that sometimes you get picked last for kickball because you suck at kickball, right? There's a meritocracy that happens in the kickball choosing thing, right? At least there's some, some validity to that. And it, after all, it's just a silly game, right? Although, for some reason, adults still play this game uh, in leagues. I don't quite get it, but... In my, don't lose my point in the, in the silliness of what I'm saying because the kind of marginalization that we have seen elsewhere in our culture and I'm sorry to say that the church has been one of the worst offenders is not based on merit it's not because somebody's not smart enough to do this or uh, gifted enough to do this or blessed enough by God to do this it's based rather on, on prejudice and systems that have been set up to favor certain people over others and in, in that case, obviously, it's so much more than, than a game we play at recess. But hear this. That kind of inequity is not what God intended for the world. Although sometimes the, the words of Scripture have been used to perpetuate the oppression and marginalization of others, it is not what God intended for the world. When we started this series, Justice Rolls Down, uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about justice in the Torah, that is the first five books of the Bible, and we talked about how God created the world as good. And when God created people, you and me, men and women, of all shapes and sizes and colors, God made us in His image. The Latin phrase that we returned to again and again was imago dei. I love that phrase. And that goes for everyone. Every human being, regardless of gender or ethnicity or likability or attractiveness or wealth or family history or behavioral tendencies or psychological stability or any of the walls that we might erect between ourselves and another human being, regardless of any of those things, none of that can erase the fact that we are all made in the image of God, and that is the great leveler of the story of creation. 
Those divisions that exist between human beings are not the result of God's creational intent. In fact, they are the opposite of God's creational intent. They come from hell, not from heaven. And that is in part why our justice value says this. We are captivated by the heart of God for hurting people and a suffering creation. Seeking to bring compassion to those needs and a just end to their underlying causes. See, we as artisan church, and I believe this is, ought to be assumed by all Christians, but we've made a special um, statement about it because it's one of our values. We are called to live into and to bring about a reality that matches God's creational intent for earthly and human flourishing. And to preach a full, holistic, biblical salvation that restores the goodness of God's original creation way in the past and reaches for a future where he will make all things new. That's what justice means to us. So throughout this series, we're looking at big, wide sections of Scripture, seeing what each section has to say about this value, this theme of justice. And so this week's section of Scripture is the prophets. And we have a key verse for this whole series, which happens to come from one of the prophets of the Old Testament. It's Amos 5.24, and um, I have this on the screen. This is our key verse, our theme verse for this whole series. Let's read it together. Let justice roll down like waters, come on louder, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You see those words, and are they not inspiring? We want to grab those words and pull them into our lives and make that a reality. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You know I'm a dirty hippie. I'm a sucker for nature, metaphor, and imagery. And this just, I mean, that picture. (sighs) Yes, Lord, do it. So inspiring. However, I have a small three-letter confession to make. And that's that I, when I put this verse uh, up as our theme verse, I left off the first word of the verse, which is but. This is a variation on my favorite law of studying scripture. You've heard it a thousand times if you've been here. If it's your first time, you're going to hear it for the first of a thousand times. What is the therefore, therefore? Yes, I love you. I'll say it together. So great. A variation on that theme is what is the but, but? I don't know. I don't know what that means, but you see the point. The word but is a word that connects one section of language to the section that comes before it, right? So it's not quite fair to say, let justice roll down like waters, because the, the text actually says, but let righteous justice roll down like waters. And so this is being set up in contrast to another reality. This is the do this instead <laughs> part of the, of the passage from which it comes. And so I want to give you the first part of the passage that comes, and that comes, starts, I think, in verse 21. Right? 
Here's what it says. I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. These are the forms of worship in the, in the Israelite community. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. See, before we were okay, because we don't do the sacrifice stuff, right? But we sang songs already today. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But Lord, I have a 1987 Guild JF30 made in Westerly, Rhode Island. (sighs) Does not want to listen to the melody of that instrument either, apparently. But, in other words, instead, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. This message is what the prophets say over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament. Worship, in all its forms, is not an acceptable substitute for compassion and justice toward others. Worship is not a substitute for compassion and justice for others. And I could do my level best to preach that all day, all morning, And I would never come up with words as powerful as the prophet's own words. So what I'm going to do instead of trying to drive this point home at you with my own words is read to you just four examples from the prophets of Israel that repeat this theme. Worship is not a substitute for compassion and justice for others. So sit back. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Isaiah 1, 12 through 17. You can sort of assume the phrase, thus says the Lord, before all of these, because that's the the refrain of of the prophets. When you come to appear before me, who asked this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation, I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. So religious rituals can never be a substitute for compassion and justice toward others. Jeremiah 3. Jeremiah 7, 3 through 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings and let me dwell with you in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. 
This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your doings, if you truly act justly with one another, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, and the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own hurt, then I will dwell with you in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your ancestors forever and ever. The temple... our version of it, our sanctuary, our big square room that's about to become a rectangle, is a sanctuary, but it is not a sanctuary for us from the call for compassion and justice for others. Isaiah 58, 4 through 7. We, we like the ancient spiritual disciplines around here. We've asked you to fast on many occasions. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Spiritual disciplines can never be a substitute for compassion and justice toward others. I have one more for you. Micah 6, 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? the greatest financial sacrifice you could possibly make, and that is what this was for this culture. There were, there were not stocks and bonds and mutual funds. There were, there were calves and rams and rivers of oil. <laughs> financial sacrifice, writing a check to a problem, can never be a substitute for actual compassion and justice toward others. Worship in all its forms can never be a a substitute for compassion and justice toward others. Worship ultimately is a claim of allegiance to God and a statement of your love for God. Justice is the work 
that makes a demonstration of your allegiance and your love of God. So what do the prophets of Israel say about justice? Essentially they say, talk is cheap. And I wonder if our talk has been a little cheap sometimes. Let's pray together and uh, ask for God's forgiveness and guidance. Almighty God, who spoke through the prophets of Israel to their communities of faith, You have spoken now to our community of faith in those same words, and you have sent us to our knees because we have realized that that we sometimes have made worship a substitute for compassion and justice, that we have considered our weekly drive into this part of Rochester come into this room to sing these songs, we've considered that sometimes to be enough. And we've considered our attempts to draw closer to you through spiritual practices, we've considered that enough. And we have considered our checkbooks and the fact that we are so willing so often to open them to do your work. We've considered that enough. And though all those things are good, we know that they don't necessarily reflect a change of heart. They don't necessarily reflect our ownership of your desire for earthly and human flourishing. And so we ask for your forgiveness And we seek to repent, to turn in the other direction, and to do your work. And as we do, we ask for your grace that not only covers our sin, but empowers us to live into the calling you've placed on us. May we be ambassadors of your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Last week while I was gone, Shane and Jenny led a great discussion uh, about the topic of justice and how we have um, engaged with it here at Artisan over the years and how we would like to work toward it together as a community in the days and weeks and years that, that are to come. I have said that this has always been a value for us, justice, and we've ne- we, we didn't make it a value because we thought it would be an easy box to check. In fact, we knew that we kind of weren't always good at it, and we have the a metaphor that I've used is we've swung the bat a bunch of times on justice, um, trying to connect with something, trying to make something happen, and we haven't really made great contact with the ball. 
over the years. We've done a, a, some great stuff and a lot of kind of like stuff that just didn't take root and for whatever reason it didn't work out and I'm, I want you to know that I'm optimistic right now with the way that our, our leadership at Artisan is structured and the, the sense that I get from all of you of where your heart is at with this question, I am more optimistic that we can make contact on these next few swings that we take than I think I've ever been uh, throughout our life as a church. Now, I can't promise that we're going to knock it out of the park on the first try. Probably are not going to. But what I don't think is acceptable is for us to, to stand there and never swing the bat. Okay? I don't do sports analogies all the time, so apologize if that's not your favorite thing. It's summertime. How could you not love baseball right now? <laughs> it's not okay for us to stand there and never and just hope that we walk. <laughs> hope that the pitches miss and we get a free pass. It's not quite how it works. The analogy breaks down there. There, there is no base on balls <laughs> when you're swinging for justice. Um, I will stop that now. The point is, um, our discussion turned up a number of different possibilities of ways that, that you, people who are artisans, think that, that it would be good for us to, to work toward justice together. And the group facilitators, after our discussion last week, recorded those, and, and uh, Shane and Jenny sent them to me, and we, we made a little, um, a little ballot, if you will. Not really a ballot, because we're not voting on anything, but it's a, well, I put poll on there. It's a poll. Um, there's a handful of areas of interest that our community has already kind of expressed interest in. These are things that you came up with last week on, in one of the services. And so... What I'd like to do is pass these out, if I could have one person from each section. And what you need, all you need to do is put a little X, your name and your email, and, and a little X next to the area of interest that, one or two areas of interest maybe that, that you think you'd like to be involved with. And I don't know exactly what this is going to look like. It's going to start with further discussion, very likely, and then hopefully we'll be swinging the bat at a couple of these things in the next few months. And... Um, See, confession is great, but repentance is where it's at, right? Saying sorry is one thing, but working to change the way you do things is really what's desired here. And so take a look at those. If there are certain areas that you are interested in being involved in, um, mark the box, and you can put this in the offering box at the back of the sanctuary, or if you're still here when the baskets go through, you can put them in the baskets. Um, and we're going to swing the bat. We're going to keep going. If there's one that's not on here that you think is, should be here, go ahead and write it in. Fair enough. Well, despite the fact that worship is never a substitute for compassion and justice toward others, we are going to continue in worship this morning. We are going to come to the table of the Lord, which is kind of parallel to that image of God thing in creation, this in the New Testament is the great leveler. Jesus extended this to all of his disciples, including the one who was about to betray him to the authorities, and which, which led to his crucifixion. This sacrament, the bread and the wine, is offered to you. Take it and receive into your body the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. May it be for you food for your soul.
May it be for you a remembrance of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. And may it be for all of us an act of unity together in his love, which is that thing that joins us together. Our table is open for the rest of our service. We'll sing a couple of more songs. Uh, if you have children in the, in the classrooms, you can bring them and take communion with them if you'd like. But if you want to do it without them, that's fine too. Just uh, collect them after you do. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, it is okay to, to sit this one out, to sit and think and pray um, and observe. We want to make space for you to do that as well. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.